Hey everybody, we are back from almost a two month hiatus. We've been working on our new website, getting that all redesigned and up and faster for our viewers. Now it's up. Now you know what we have time for again is our legendary podcast. It's episode number 95. We're closing on number 100. I think for number 100, we've got to do something special. I'm not sure what, but you know, people feed us your ideas. Greg, if you've got ideas, feed them as well. I Let's got hear it. from our viewers. Live from the World Series, West Coast Press Podcast. And the Giants are making it to the World Series? That's what I'm saying. Anyway, if you don't know by now, I'm Chris Jackson, the non-Giants fan. And I'm sure you all know by now that Greg's favorite colors are black and orange and that he's a San Francisco Giants fan. They've got game five tonight against the LA Dodgers. I still can't believe that's in NLDS series. You won 107 games. Dodgers won, what, they finished with 106? And they got to play in a wild card game first with the franchise record for wins. Um, yeah. Yeah. And welcome to Major League Baseball. The idiocracy yeah, of Rod Manfred over there. One of those crazy seasons, but it has been in high school sports so far, too. These last two months have been crazy. No longer is Sparty the number one team in the Bay Area, Northern California. That was a weird rankings to put out. Usually it's you got to change some things after number one. This time it was changing number one. Every other sport, sure, you get that. Baseball, especially last year, but never football. At least not for a lot of people in the last 30 years. De La Salle loses to St. Francis. St. Francis now looking to be the number one team in the Bay Area. We'll get into that matchup in a little bit. I just first one though, GNT guarantee that De La never, Salle would lose. Never Greg, Greg did say, I don't think Greg predicted St. Francis, though. He kept saying Pittsburgh would be the team to knock him off. By the way, though, Pitt did knock him off 30 years ago in 1991. The, and then that streak ended the black up and 30 orange. years. It's, it's that black and orange, man. I'm telling yeah. you, those pit, those pit uniforms, though, are sick. I will say those. The all orange ones are very nice. Yeah, those are, those are ridiculous. <clears throat> hey, you said that we were doing a rankings of the top um, uniforms. Where are they at? I've been waiting. I, did, didn't you want to be a part of that story? We got to collaborate on that, I think. I, think, mm -hmm. I thought we were going to collaborate on that. Let's collaborate on that. We'll get that out by next Wednesday. How about that? Let's, wow. let's, let's set a date for that. Uh, people probably shouldn't uh, expect me to do much work tonight and or much of tomorrow morning. So, um, yeah, didn't you make the forewarning? You made rally enchiladas, didn't you? They are. I just had them. They were they were amazing. Rally that enchiladas. Good. Back to Ryan Vogel song. I haven't heard his name in a long, long time. I, I forgot about that too. But remember the documentary, the franchise that came out? Yes. Yeah, I started watching that last night. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Game five, though, people. I this this is pretty much the World <laughs> Series. I would say I think who wins this is going on and winning it. There's that vibe for the Giants. There's that vibe for the Dodgers. But you know what? Is nothing but the Giants right now. So it's gonna be hard for me to to stop bringing it up. But I think we can get through 25 minutes of of high school yes. football. Yes, yes, we can. And there was some big breaking news, Greg. You were at this game, Sarah against Bellarmine, Sarah. Their star, Hassan Mahoski, he actually just committed to San Diego State. Congratulations to him, a four-star athlete. The reigning Bay Area Football Athlete of the Year in the spring, unfortunately, tore his ACL. You were at that game. What was the mood like? What were the emotions like from the program? And how did they expect to regroup and move on without their star and their leader? Yeah, um, you know, what was supposed to be a joyous mood of a top five matchup between Bellarmine and Sarah um, very quickly turned into a, a concern. We saw him limp off of the field in the first half. Um, and then he caught a touchdown pass. Everything seemed to be okay. You know, maybe it was just a, a sprain or something mild. Uh, and then he took a run play in the second half and needed to get help off the field, but they didn't even stop the game. You know, it was kind of like, oh, okay, he, you know, just kind of got banged up a little bit. Uh, someone came off the field and helped them, and I was on the Bellarmine sideline at the time. And then as the fourth quarter begins, um, I start making my way to the Sarah sideline, and they group up in a huddle, and Hassan's over there on the sideline crying. And I, at that point, I didn't fully know what was happening, but I figured something had happened. 
and then Coach Walsh says, let's do this for the son. Um, yeah, it, it, the whole fourth quarter was guys coming up and hugging Hassan. Uh, he was still standing on the sideline, you know, cheering his guys on. It wasn't confirmed, obviously, at that point. But everyone at that point knew that it was a torn ACL. That's what their their doctors had said. It's what everyone had uh, had assumed at that point. And after the game, it was crying. You know, you get this big win over a rival, you know, a historic rivalry, and all they can do is sit there and cry and, and think about one of the greatest Padres ever. And multiple people had said that, including Coach Walsh. Um, and when you look at his career at Sarah, it really was. He was one of the greatest guys. He's one of the nicest kids, most respectful kids that I think we both both can say that that we've ever met. Yeah. It was sad. It's sad to see. Um, you know, I think he's going to go to San Diego State and he's going to do the same thing he did at Sarah. Um, I think Coach Walsh said, and this isn't a quote, but he said after the game that they're just like ankle injuries now. They just take a little bit longer, you know. Many people have come back and flourished. We saw Adrian Peterson. He was really the first one to come back and dominate again. But now it just seems to be normal. So I expect that from Hassan. He's a hard worker. He's a good kid. He's humble. Um, and I expect him to do big things still. Yeah, Hassan's expected to be healthy again once about middle of the spring time, time arrives. And like you said, the torn ACL, that ACL injury is just like ankle nowadays. And with modern medicine, continuously improving them, learning more of what to do. It's going to be easier to recover from these injuries, but someone like Hassan, I'm sure he's working right now as we speak. He's going to be great at San Diego to say, this is nowhere near the end for him. It's only the start. Mountain West is getting a good one. He's going to be tearing up that conference for a long, long time. There. He's going to do a great job at San Diego state. I would expect them to be back in Mountain West conference, title contention with him there again. Now, where Sarah goes from here, there's a lot to unpack because he accounted for 60% of the receiving yards on this team. Also a good running back. You could get him on sweeps, hit him on the deep balls. We've seen Dominic Lampkin in that connection with him hit deep balls. First time I ever watched those two play last year, they did that. Then you get the sweeps, those Tavon Austin kind of right touch passes to him out of the backfield. It was a lot of ways. It was like watching a Tavon Austin at a younger age with his abilities where he can go great runner. He's been the running back of the year by publications. He was our Bay area athlete of the year, top receiver. He's gone and they've got a lot of shoes to fill, but this is, I know Sarah's been excited about a lot of these other guys. They had that great tight end Christian Patterson last year. Now Louisville, there's another tight end. They're very high on a six foot four target and see miss Gil Martin. He's averaging 16.6 yards per catch. You've got Sione Lalea. You've seen him. You've watched him. You interviewed him two weeks ago. A great cornerback, right? Great defensive back. But they're also impressed that he's done a receiver. They just haven't needed to utilize him as much because of that athleticism of Hassan, the great backfield they've got with Patello Gee at the 400-plus rushing yards. He had that big day with 171 yards on 12 carries against Bellarmine. That's Jabari Mann. That's sophomore. That's Division One prospect. Tiana Lale, though, six foot three prospect, they've got size. And that's something I think is going to prove big for them if they're going to want to take these this control, beat teams like St. Francis, who they did dominate last year. We'll get more into that in a little bit. And all these other teams in the WCAL Valley Christian on Friday, I think, utilizing their size and these guys stepping up like Seamus Go Martin using their tight end more is going to be a big thing for them going forward. And I'm sure Patrick Walsh, a guy that's won a lot of championships in this career knows what to do. Yeah, I mean, as sad as it was to see him go down, you look at this roster and they can still make up his production and in some way a lot of guys got to step up. Um, C.O.C., who, who you mentioned, I, I think he's going to be great. Uh, I think he's going to fill in that role. Um, obviously, hard to replace what Hassan does, but I think he's going to fill that role pretty well. Um, great defensive back and played great at wide receiver um, in that game that I saw against Bellman as well, so... I think that this team is still a top three, top four team. Um, you know, we'll kind of see where the rankings shake out. I think the final week of the season, if I'm correct, um, we'll see St. Francis and Sarah go at it. And that basically will determine kind of the, how the top three shakes out, maybe. They will. Um, it's going to determine. Season. 
It would definitely determine what I think the number one seed is in CCS at that point. Of course, it's not going to determine the NorCal bid yet because you still got CCS playoffs and those teams could easily meet again in the CCS championship game and all of that. That's that's going to be a big one. November 6th, 2.30 p.m., Sarah against St. Francis. I won't even I'll be there this weekend. Greg is will be at a Greg will My be at a wedding. Has to get married that weekend, doesn't she? You know what though? Aren't you getting the free trip to where is it, Cabo? I am getting a free trip to Cabo. I can't. Okay, then it'll be okay. It'll be okay. That would have been fun to see though. Yeah, it will be. That's. Oh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that game. That's going to be a good one. Sarah though, they've got a great schedule coming up. They go to Valley Christian tomorrow. You know the way the WCA all shakes out. When they host St. Ignatius, go out to Sacred Heart Cathedral. He's got a lot of talent. Finally picked up its first one of the season. Then that tilt against Sarah. They've got the great quarterback play at Sarah with Dominic Lampkin. He's got three D1 offers. Scary part is his backup moved in from Endercombe out in the Valley. He's already got six offers. Miley Smith, Arizona, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, San Jose State, and UNLV have all offered that kid. So there's still plenty. I'd imagine with that offensive line they've got to, they're going to start running the ball a little bit more with Lankin as quarterback, Patello Gee, then Jabari Man also getting some touches too. But that also goes into our next thing. Greg, it's weird to say right now, at least for me, that De La Salle is no longer the top dog in Northern California. Maybe this all changes in four weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it does with the way the WCAL schedule is the way the remaining schedule goes for all these teams. It is weird to say, but who is the best team in Northern California? Is it St. Francis? Is it Sarah? De La Salle? Hey, who do you think it is? I mean, it's hard to say exactly who is the best team right now. Um, I think Sarah with Hassan, I would have personally put it number one without Hassan. I, I don't know if they would if they would be number one. Um, Pitt, who just seems like they can barely get a consistent game schedule in at this point, uh, is definitely in that conversation. I think De La Salle's win over Folsom was huge and impressive. Um, seeing that, I mean, they they dominated 31-10. Um, they made big plays when they needed to. The defense was dominant. But then St. Francis, who, quite frankly, neither one of us has seen yet, um, you know, I, I saw him last year against Sarah, but obviously last year, it's such a weird year, it's hard to take anything out of that going into this year. I, I'm struggling to answer that question. And I still would say De La Salle. I think De La Salle would, if you played 10 times against St. Francis, I think De La Salle would probably win six, maybe seven times in that one matchup. But everything fell right for St. Francis. They played their heart out. They played an amazing game, and they beat De La Salle. So I, I'm still going to go with De La Salle. It's, they're probably the best team. Um, the schedule that they played earlier this season and the way they got through that schedule and all the adversity that they've gotten through this year I think has been really impressive. And I wrote earlier just how resilient they have been this year. Um, it's, it's a hard question though right now. And for the first time ever, you know, that we've ever talked about it. There's actually a debate to who's the best team in the Bay Area. I didn't think this would be possible. We've talked about Sarah being right there, closing the gap, Pittsburgh with all that talent. St. Francis, though, beating De La Salle the way they did. St. Francis played a great game. I'm with you. If they play that a majority of the time, I think De La Salle wins. But football, you don't get series like you do in basketball, like you do in baseball. It's a one-game thing. You play once a week. Maybe this year you play twice a week because of smoke and COVID just moving games to Monday sometimes and playing against Saturdays. But regardless, St. Francis did beat De La Salle right now. They're probably the top team in Northern California. Even though Sarah did beat them 49-7 to in the spring, it's hard to forget that you were there. You saw Sarah just put a lick in on them. But I thought Hassan Mahasan, how much does it change it this year? And St. Francis has this ridiculous senior class, those leaders – Clayton Lynham is out for the rest of the year. That's a tough loss at linebacker, Division One kid, San Diego State bound as well, like Hassan Mahasan. But you've got Dylan Golden. You've got Josh Perry at quarterback. Matt Daugherty's another good quarterback. You've got so much, guys. Nico Andrighetto, Andrew Atkinson. The list goes on there. And they've got great special teams play at St. Francis. So you can't underestimate special teams play. I've seen special teams cost team games. It's what – 
cost Liberty against Los Gatos and helped Los Gatos get back in that game and win that game when they were down 17 to seven field position changes on special teams at wins. Clayton Valley going for it on 4,000 instead of letting special teams wins, and they win some games because of that, and that's helped them get the state championships. With those kinds of situations, I've seen missed extra points. Special teams helped Cal beat Clayton Valley. I think special teams will be a big thing for St. Francis. Right now they're the number one team, but it's really close. I think, though, at the end of the year, De La Salle will probably be the best team because we got to take into consideration – I know Allen Ball is not going to make this excuse. He never will. He never has. When he loses, he lets you know. It's what he said after St. Francis. St. Francis was better that night, and it's the way it shakes out sometimes. I think you got to take into consideration that Dorian Hale was a three-year starting quarterback, now at Sacramento State. He had all that extra time last year to get ready for his senior season. He wasn't going to play. He chose to play. And Luke Dermott comes in. He's done a great job. He's really grown as the season has gone on, but he got – two, three months to repair for the starting job when normally you get eight, nine months to build that relationship with the starters, build that chemistry. Instead, he gets a few. And if you're going to beat De La Salle, it's usually going to be in the early goings because De La Salle gets better. And when they're young like that, that's the way it's going to shake out. And you get De La Salle at the right time. I think at the end of the year, with the way it's going to shake out with WCAL schedules and CCS schedules, Sarah and St. Francis playing twice, most likely, I think they would split those games. Sarah and St. Francis, what I really yeah. do think that they would split those matchups. They're going to play each other on November 6th. I think they'll meet again in the CCS championships, and they'll split those. I think by year's end, De La Salle's going to be that team from Northern California that gets that open division bid to play probably modern day when it's all said and done out of Southern California. Yeah, and a couple of points uh, Alan Ball has talked about. As far as special teams, he talked about it after the Folsom game because um, their special teams played great that night. When you make a team, especially a high school team, that drives 80 yards, 85 yards down the field, it's hard. You know, it, it makes it difficult. You know, some of these high school teams thrive off of off a short field. You know, getting, only having to drive the ball 50 yards down the field to score. Um, and when you can make them always drive 80 yards, it, it gets frustrating, it gets difficult. Um, you know, and Allen Ball has said that his best unit this year has been his offensive line. They've played with the most passion. Um, they've been the most consistent. Even in the St. Francis game, he talked about it, uh, that that was his best unit. And that was the only unit that played with passion in that night. Um, and so I, I think you're right. At the end of the year, uh, you're probably going to see De La Salle as number one. But... I do think that there's still a couple teams that could have a fighter at that number one spot, and more so now than ever. Um, I think it hurts Pittsburgh that they lost the Sarah game. Um, Because, I mean, that that would really choose as to who is number three at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that that was a huge game, and it's experience that both of those teams lost. Uh, and I think Pittsburgh, more than anyone else, needed that experience of a big game just because kind of how young they are still. A lot of juniors on that team. So I, I think that they needed that game more than anyone. Uh, I, there's still a lot of football left, though. I mean, anything can happen. And De La Salle <laughs> still has to go through Cal, who's number five right now, San Ramon Valley. And while they've always dominated those teams, it's not like they're easy games. You know? No, they're not. I think they're going to be harder for them this year than they have ever been because I, there's just not as much talent on this De La Salle team as there has been in the past. And I, and I don't think that's wrong to say because we saw it. They lost. So it, it's not wrong to say that this season might be a little bit harder for them. And, with and, I, and I think in a lot of ways De La Salle would agree with you on that too. The talent's really getting more dispersed throughout the Bay Area than I've really seen it throughout my life. Look at all these schools near De La Salle, San Ramon Valley, Monta Vista, Cal have always been great programs, great traditions, but the talent I'm seeing circulating around those schools, heck, San Ramon Valley's number eight in the Bay Area football rankings right now for us. That says everything you need to know because they've got a ridiculous quarterback. They've got Tanner Salisbury playing both ways, Caleb Padrid, Caden Ridley, Division One offensive lineman, one of them with 20-plus offers, and they're number eight. I, that does show you how much the talent's being dispersed throughout this region now. How it shakes out, I think De La Salle will be number one. We're both in agreement with that. Could it change? There's a lot of football left. You're right. 
we've played six games. Most teams Pitt's only played, I think four because the McClyman's game got canceled, unfortunately, because of a COVID problem with McClyman's that Sarah game got canceled because of poor air quality. You feel for Pitt. I know they would have loved to have had those games. We talked all year about how Greg was almost going to have a second home in Pittsburgh with their schedule. It was that good. And that was really going to prepare Pitt. I believe for the postseason when they'd be playing a De La Salle, most likely in an NCS championship game. Yeah. When and, they did. And with Pitt, when they went to Folsom, I mean, it was their first game of the year. And Folsom was playing their third game of the year, I, I believe, at that moment. And they they were in it. Uh, when Charles Brown went down in the second half, I think it was a game changer. You know, they didn't run the ball as much. And, and that's really how they were dominating that game. Not necessarily dominating, but they were dominating the, the line play. And I, I think it was it's closer than what the final score looked like. Um, I think these top four teams, and then you could throw a Cal or San Ramon Valley in their top five teams, are much closer than we've ever seen. And this might be the the one year we might get some crazy something crazy happen. And I think by the time November rolls around, Pitt's going to be that much better. Folsom had a lot of experience of guys returning from last year. This year, Pitt, they have all that talent, the three- and four-star guys. Don't forget the Rashid Williams broke his collarbone early last season in the spring. Jaden Rashada split reps with Eli Burkhandler. He's now a full-time starter. That was his first game. When you're playing an experienced Folsom defense like that, That's I don't care what your stars are, who your offers are from, that's a tough matchup. You're bringing a lot of new guys. Matthew Casada from last year graduated. Yeah. Daytron yeah. Pearson graduated a running back. They've they graduated some great linemen, great guys defensively. The talent's there, but you're not going to come out in game one, and that's not going to be anywhere near your best game. That never is. What do we say with De La Salle? They get better as the year goes on because of experience, and that's when they become unbeatable. I believe that's the way Pitt's going to be this year when they play De La Salle, most likely in the NCS championship. Pitt's going to be 10 times different of a team than it was when it traveled to Folsom when you made that trip in early September. Yeah, and I think you saw Jaden, I mean, who had an amazing game Friday against Heritage. I think you're starting to see him get comfortable, right? You know, he's starting to, okay, this is happening. He's, he's starting to see the game and starting to slow down for him a little bit more. Yeah. Where, you know, even against Folsom a little bit, it was like, okay, kind of rushing a throw here, kind of rushing it there. But his arm talent, he has probably the best arm talent I've seen. I mean, it's oh, easily some of the throws he makes. Absolutely. We've seen him at showcases on air. Sure, that's on right. air, but you see those pinpoint throws. You can see what his potential is. And when you're watching from down low in the field, you don't realize how hard these throws this kid's making are until you're right there and you're seeing what his peripheral vision is down there in the pocket. Him getting more experience because he split reps last year. It was only it was a short and five-game season while splitting time. The year before that, he was a freshman at Liberty only getting a few reps behind Jay Butterfield now at Oregon. This year, he's finally a full-time starter with the full season. That's the same thing Rasheed Williams did get all that experience as a freshman, but last year he was hurt. He's coming back from an injury. Zach Card and Kai Taylor, great players, but they didn't have as much varsity experience in years past. They played junior varsity levels in years past. Yeah. Same thing with Charles Brown. He didn't have as much experience, and he's they're all doing unbelievable, but it takes time to get that experience. And I believe those kids – when November 6th, November 13th, November 20th rolls around, they're going to be unstoppable for almost anyone in Northern California. Yeah, it, and I know we're talking about sleeper teams uh, in a little bit later in the show, but I want to talk about sleeper players specifically, too, on Pitt, uh, Kai Taylor and Charles Brown Jr. I mean, Charles Brown yes. Jr. is first onto the scene. He might be my favorite player in the Bay Area right now. He's such a nice kid, and he's just athletic. He... I can't say enough words about him. And Kai Taylor has played amazing this year. Defensively, uh, offensively, I think he's even picked up a little bit more as well. But defensively, he's been absolutely amazing. I know Jerion, he gets his, his catches no matter what. But he played well against Jerion. And that's probably the biggest test you're going to get all year long. So, uh, impressed with him. And all of that, we haven't even mentioned Israel Polk. So, <laughs> that, that, that roster is, is yeah. deep. Um, and so, yeah. But now we're going to get into the Ebal Mountain Division, and I, I know you got some thoughts in there. I know we'll talk about De La Salle even a little bit more here, also. But that division is just what can crazy. What can you say about it? When I was at Cal Clayton Valley, 
I think that says everything you got to know about that side of the league in e-ball. It comes down to the final seconds. It takes a, po- a post route from Teddy Bors to Jay Kyle Cogno with, I think, 15 and a half seconds left to beat Clayton Valley in that game at the end. In that matchup, the last two years, he got decided at the end. Two years prior, 2019, Cal wins at the end. Last year, you're there. Clayton Valley wins near the end, too. Cal's 6-0 overall, number five in the league. Number five overall, I mean, in the Bay Area, and right now the number one rated team in that league. They beat Clayton Valley. They're averaging 42.8 points per game. We've raved about Danny Calcogno as a head coach. You hear his terminology, it's it's different, but he knows what he's doing. He's doing a great job running that offense, getting these guys open, and designing unbelievable plays. You could tell he studied Clayton Valley's film. And when they went down early, 12 to nothing, Clayton Valley controlling the clock. Cal's first drive didn't go well, and Clayton Valley controls the clock early. That's how you think it's going to happen. You're thinking Clayton Valley's going to win this ballgame because that's their kind of football game, limiting possessions. That's how they beat Liberty Bakersfield. I think the final snap count was 67 to 33 against a state-ranked team in the Honor Bowl. Clayton Valley's doing this early on against Cal, but Cal – Credit to them, they dialed things up. Their defense really hunkered down in that second half. And their defense, we can talk about Teddy Boris. 17 touchdown passes, four picks, 67% completions. Jay Calcogno leads the NCS in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, just like he did last year. Dom Toyer, 281 yards, three touchdowns. Had that clutch catch where he got his hands beneath the ball for a 22-yard catch to set up that 20-yard touchdown. The run game, you saw them against James Logan, Trevor Runt. Played really well, averaging nearly 100 yards per game. That sophomore, Devin Love, averaging nine yards per carry. The defense holding teams to 10 points per game. But there's so much more. There's San Ramon Valley. There's Monta Vista. They're undefeated under C.J. Anderson. They've got they, – they were just a few possessions away from four wins instead of none in the spring. And they're not making excuses for that, but they were so close. And now you're seeing the fruits of their labor pay off because of their resume. And Clayton Valley, too. They're number nine in the Bay Area. Santa Monica Valley's eight. Monavis is 11. And what are Valley's in that lake, too? They moved over. They've struggled early on, but they're a ranked team in the Bay Area. And what are Valley's done a great job with Danny Jones. So there's so much in there. We're going to get into these teams a little bit. Does anybody run the table in this league this year? Does anybody? There were so many one-possession games last year, and these teams are even better with the full season. Is it even possible someone runs the table? It's hard. Every week you have a incredibly tough matchup um you know t- to run the table you gotta think someone's gonna slip up somewhere yeah um you know you're still dealing with 16 17 maybe 18 year old kids it you know they're just the intensity isn't always going to be there every single week um i think the best two teams that have a chance is srv who all of a sudden last two weeks figured it out we, we saw them kind of struggle offensively uh they, i saw the first two of their of their games i believe and, you know, they were just, just a little off. But all of a sudden, 42 points, you know, and Jack Quigley's figured it out. Um, that offense all of a sudden started clicking. That Once they click, they're going to be scary. So I think Cal and SRV is still the two best teams in this division. Um, and that's not to discredit Monta Vista, who obviously is having a great bounce back year, undefeated so far. Uh, Clayton Valley. Somehow they just continue to win football games. You know, they I know they lost a lot, and, but they just keep winning football games and give credit to to their coaching staff and, and the players on that team. Um, will someone go undefeated? I still like Cal, but I don't see him going undefeated. I don't think anybody does either. I think it's going to be a situation where you're going to have co-champions with one loss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think that. Cal's probably going to slip up somewhere between Monta Vista, SRV. One of those two games, you would think, you know, they might slip up, but I would give the advantage to Cal at this point. I think they've proven their consistency at this point, but SRV could easily run this table as well, especially <laughs> if their offense is clicking the way, the way it's clicked the last two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly because they've got so much depth on that offense here's some of their numbers i don't even mention monta vista hardly no, at all exactly. who is undefeated um and their defense is playing lights out too let's get into yeah. some of these numbers with these teams as well this production srv's passing and they got five guys with more than 100 yards this year jack quigley over a thousand passing yards 15 touchdowns three interceptions 
But last Friday, third game, the fourth time Quigley had completions of at least seven receivers this season. They're five and one. They played six games. Four out of six times, he's had completions of seven guys. It's also had seven against Antioch, eight against Central Catholic in Foothill. Tanner Salisbury, over 10 Division I offers, a two-way guy back from modern day after he was hurt there last season. 11 catches, 242 yards, eight touchdowns. Tyler Hoffman, the great tight end, but also a fantastic guy defensively, one of the best two-way guys in the Bay Area. 11 catches, 154 yards, three touchdowns. Caden Ridley, 12 catches, 149 yards, two touchdowns. The junior Trevor Scott, 15 catches, 148 yards, a touchdown. The junior Caleb Patrid, 12 catches, 130 yards, 39 yards, I should say. That doesn't even mention Zadarian Nardi at running back and a great cornerback. Their offensive line with Cal Commit, Jack, Jackson Brown. There's so much there. And yeah. you've seen them a couple of times in person. We were waiting for it to finally click, and it looks like it has where they beat Foothill in convincing fashion, 42 to nothing, and beat Amber Valley also in decisive fashion, 41 to 13. Yeah, I, something clicked. And I do want to say this, because I don't even think we've done a podcast since that Central Catholic game. They should have won that game. I, I know we shouldn't blame officiating, but the officiating in that game was awful. And I think we saw early on the officiating was was not great the first few weeks of this year. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's improved. Um, but I, they won that game. And so, obviously, it goes down as a loss, and you don't want to make excuses. But when you're looking at their outlook of their whole season, you know, when you look at that loss, I, I don't think that's a, oh, my God, like, they're not that good type loss. Because they, they could have easily won that game if a couple bounces go their way. Um, and, and so... Mm-hmm. There's just something we talked about it before this, the season with this team. That offense that you just mentioned is incredible. And it all comes together with that offensive line. Um, Nardi has had a great season. I know I saw him a couple games. He's one of the better running backs, I think, in in NCS. And just they're going to continue to pile up wins. And I think this whole season is going to come down to that Cal, S- Cal SRV game. Um, and if Monta Vista can, can come in and surprise me, I guess, because I'm, I'm kind of just, I guess I just haven't believed in that that roster to compete with SRV and, and Cal yet, but they're right there with them. Monta Vista is right there. They're 5-0. and They've outscored opponents 145-42, to beat a Hayward 37-7. to James Logan 25-14. James Logan's finally beginning to click. Struggled early on. Now they're really clicking. They just beat San Leandro last week, and that was a big one because San Leandro's got some big wind under its belt. Liberty, they won 21 to 14. El Cerrito, they shut out 14 to nothing, then beat Livermore 48 to 7. The defense holding teams to 8.4 points per game. Dylan Devitts made so many improvements this year, a senior quarterback, really taking command of that offense. His past game against Livermore. 16 of 18 passing for 396 yards and five touchdowns this whole season. 1,200 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. Rocco Strom, a great lacrosse player, too, committed to Colgate last year for lacrosse, but now he's getting offers in football. He's looking like a Division One football player. Two-way guy is averaging over six yards per carry. You've got a deep receiving court, just like San Ramon Valley's got to something in that Danville water with so many great receivers and quarterbacks and tight ends. You got Cole Bossia, 370 yards, five touchdowns. The Division One tight ends, Jack Andrews, 296 yards, six touchdowns. Chris White's averaging 21 yards per catch, a big time, big play guy. Adam Wright, 132 yards in the touchdown. He's also got 133 rushing yards. I, I feel bad for being down on this team because you look at at their numbers, uh, especially Dylan's this year. And they just continue to win football games, and you know they might. They're probably they're the reason I lost our our picks last year because I kept picking them. So I kept them. <laughs> yeah, let's just and say it, um, Jackson Brown and I had a little discussion at his commitment about you picking Montevista. Still upset yeah. about it, but you know it's all fun and games yeah. today. I know that that whole SRV team. I'm barely even liked over there anymore, just because of like, how many <laughs> times I picked Montevista and picked Montevista in that game, but. <laughs> Maybe I just have a bad taste, and, and that's why I'm, I'm down on them. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't know. There's just this whole league. I, it's hard to pick games in this league. It's impossible. I think it's impossible. It, I honestly, no excuses, but I think it's impossible to pick these league games. Because let's look at it. Cal's already played Clayton Valley upcoming games this Friday. Clayton Valley plays San Ramon Valley. Next week, Monta Vista against Cal, October 29th. Clayton Valley against Monta Vista, Cal against San Ramon Valley. The following week, rivalry week, San Ramon Valley against Monta Vista. Yeah. I, and Amador is it's still a really good team. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, they barely lost a foothill, but they're still a, a really good team. So I, it's this whole league, and that's why I don't think anyone runs the table. You're going to be like, really, that team lost to them? And that's just because of you can't keep the intensity up every mm -hmm. single week. Um, mm -hmm. I think Cal goes into De La Salle if that game is still happening um, this week. So I know that's kind of a always a litmus test and kind of see, all right, how good are we really? And you always mm -hmm. come out of that week. Okay, where where are we as a, as a football team? So it'd be kind of interesting to see because every one of these teams gonna have to play Dallas out at some point, and that's always the test. You know, all right, where where are we really at as a football team, and where you come out of that game, it can really kind of decide where where this league ends up going. I am a hundred percent agreement with you. And before we move on to our next and final segments of this show, I haven't mentioned Clayton Valley, what they've done, some of their yeah. wins. They've got co-head coaches this year. Tim Murphy is now a co-head coach with Nick T. So Tim Murphy kind of starting to step away a little bit, not fully, you know, the way he is. He It's hard for him to stay away from football. He loves it. He said his wife was a little hot when he was burning those resignation papers to step away from the head coaching role, and he was convinced to stay as a co-head coach. That's just the way he is. He loves football. He's doing a great job with Nick Tisa, who also did a great job as a previous head coach of Doherty Valley about five or six years ago, really helped turn that program around. They're one point away from five wins. They lost a close game to Del Oro earlier this year. They were one and one at that time. I was at their practice, I believe, the Tuesday after that loss. Tim Murphy called out the senior class. You guys need to step up. We had a great senior class last year. It's time for you guys to step up and take control. And they really have. Brendan Bush, Sean Woodland. Alex Bush, all of these kids have really stepped up. They beat Liberty Bakersfield, the state-ranked team. They destroyed Benicia, a team with three Division I commits on a Monday night, 48 to nothing, then beat Monterey Trail 35 to 28. They've got four players with 200-plus rushing yards. Rasan Woodland, just a workhorse, 945 yards. Do out there at quarterback Brendan Bush. He's completed 76.5% of his passes for 738 yards and five touchdowns. But he's also got 407 rushing yards. You've got Jordan Barbadillo, a senior, 224 yards. Then a sophomore, Micah Avery. He's a Division I kid, 223 yards. And they've got a great offensive line with, Div with Division I lineman and Richard McKay. And that line executes as well as anybody. You don't see guards pull like Clayton Valley does. Yeah, Clayton Valley, it's the system. Obviously, they have great talent over there. But what the coaching staff and Murphy and Tisa has done, uh, especially Murphy, his historic, you know, Hall of Fame type career yes. that he that he's had as a coach, is is just been incredible. And there's just that system. They they run the ball well. They're gonna they're gonna chew the clock out, um, and they're gonna produce wins. And they do it ugly. That's it, it fits perfectly for them with their team name. They're gonna do it ugly, but they're gonna win games. And so it's it's fun to watch. Sometimes it can be boring to watch and terrible for pictures, especially. <laughs> it's just they always terrible. run it's to so the hard. opposite side. They always yeah. run to the opposite side for pictures. I swear. I got lucky the last two games I saw them where they started to run Rasan to my side every time. Yeah, but it, it's but it's it gets hard sometimes. Yeah, you just yeah. you're taking pictures of a pile, um, but it's what they do, and it, it produces wins, and it produced them a championship last year in Evo in this in this division, which is yes. so hard. And and now they get to you know already have the rematch of that game this week. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It I I'm done predicting who's gonna win this thing. I said Cal. I think early in the year was a sleeper. I still still think it's Cal SRV in in it. But you know, black and orange. So it's Cal. I'm going with Santa Rosa Valley. I'm on that. I'm on that SRV train. SRV hates me, don't they? The, the fact that I just said Cal's gonna win. 
they hate me. But yeah, well, you know, I think we should tag at some of their players later in the day. What do you guys think of Greg and his thoughts on this podcast of Cal winning? I'm sure we'll get some fun feedback. I'm sure we will. Yeah, next time I go to their game, I, they probably won't even say hi to me anymore. No, they will. They will. They'll have some fun with you. I'm sure Caleb will give you a little flack. Same with Jackson. Then it'll be all good. Yeah. That's the way it's the way it's always been there. But now our final segment, we're going to go into our athletes of the week at the ends and how game of the week voting is going. But surprise teams, any teams have really stood out and taken that leap that you maybe didn't quite expect. Yeah, it, it's for me, it's Menlo. Menlo School. Um, they have just won football games. Um, the one game I went to this year on a Saturday afternoon, they did it completely different than they've won their previous games. Previously, they were running up the score, scoring 50 points a game with a great offense with their great quarterback, but Sergio, his story just went up on the site, I saw. But they won that one defensively. You know, it was a defensive, hard-fought game. Um, so the fact that they can win multiple different ways and just their record alone. There's a zero in that loss column, and it's impressive. It's not something, if I wouldn't win to the year, if someone asked me if Menlo was undefeated, I'd be like, hmm, probably not. So it, that's definitely a surprise, and it's a it's a pleasant surprise to see how they're winning. It is that work with Sergio Beltran and the offensive coordinator, Austin Carter-Samuels, it's just a match made in heaven. It seems like it's almost their league's version of the Brady-Belichick relationship where it's just everything clicks. Everything's just on the money with these two. It's Sergio Beltran this year. Nearly 1,700 passing yards through six games, 30 touchdowns, and four interceptions. He's averaging five touchdown passes per game. And he's also got 398 yards on the ground. Yeah, and what's crazy is the game I went and saw wasn't very many yards, uh, not very many touchdowns. So it just kind of proves how his other five or six games have gone this season and just how kind of dominant he's been. Um, and I, I'm excited to kind of see how they go the rest of the season. And obviously mm-hmm. they got that down-the-street rival um, who record doesn't show it, but I think they're better than what their record shows in, in Sacred Heart Prep. Yes, uh, Sacred Heart Prep, too, really young. They lost Teddy Purcell. They lost a lot yeah. of great players. It was going to, with a short offseason, it's, I don't think we're going to have normalcy again with football in the normal offseasons and all of that until next year, just because yeah. last year was a longer offseason, a short season, then a shortened offseason. You got any more surprise teams, though? Um, I, I know we talked about it a little bit. That's probably the only real surprise team I've seen. I think Sacred Heart Cathedral has played above their record as well. I think there's a lot of talent on that team. Obviously, Joe Mixon, cousin Jerry Mixon, um, but they have a lot of, of good talent on that team. Um, so I, it was a bit of a surprise when I saw them week one, uh, where they easily could have won that game as well. Just a couple mistakes here and there. Um, I know you mentioned Windsor was a surprise team for you, um, and they have a big game coming up this week. But yeah. I, I know we talked about it earlier, but I, I'd say those are my two, Menlo and Sacred Heart okay. Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Windsor, it's not as much I'm surprised that they're undefeated, but it's the way they've done it, how they beat Benicia in convincing fashion, 38-14. to 14. Windsor at 6-0. and The former Carl Newman head coach, longtime Carl Newman head coach, Paul Cronin, now the coach there. You've got Chase B. Meyer, the senior quarterback, <clears throat> doing an outstanding job, 10 touchdowns, zero picks, nearly 1,000 yards. Damian Escarcega, Kyle Verona, great running back with seven touchdowns. A great receiving court, too. Four guys over 100 yards. You've got a freshman leading the way. Hayden Anderson, 13 catches, 289 yards, three touchdowns. You've got Makai Johnson, who actually lives with Chase Vemeyer now. I just interviewed them last night. We'll have a story up on their relationship by westcoastpreps.com tomorrow. 286 yards, averaging 24 yards per catch, three touchdowns. You've also got Damian Austin Carcega, Calderon, 130 yards. Their defense is playing well. Windsor 6-0. They've got some big games coming up because October 22nd, Paul Cronin faces his former school, Cardinal Newman, at Windsor on October 22nd. Then their regular season finale is at Rancho Cotati, another ranked team at 7 p.m. that night. St. Vincent DePaul, great coaching staff. Trent Herzog, Paul Gregorian, Kim Eisenhower does a great job of strength and conditioning there. They are 6-0 and in really crushing teams. They beat St. Bernard's the first week, a team that's really had their number. They 
had a lot of teams numbers. They win that game. They made a statement. They're six and zero. They play on the road at Montgomery this week. St. Vincent de Paul with Kai Hall, outstanding two-way player. Dante Antonini, a Division One type of prospect, a great quarterback. Jared Bosart. He's really impressed me when I saw him in the offseason. St. Vincent de Paul doing a fantastic job. Dublin, I wouldn't call a surprise team. We highlighted them in the offseason on our podcast with their senior class with KJ Sweeney, Jaden Petrus, TJ Costello, the son of the basketball head coach Tom Costello, is one of the goofier kids you'll see and one of the best football players you'll see. A great block, great receiver, great on defense. Dublin's 5-2. and two. Only two losses were to Cal, 30-20, to 20, and Anwar Valley, 7 to nothing. They shut down Heritage in that season opener. Dublin coming off that 39-10 to 10 win over Granada. They've got some big games coming up. The 22nd against Foothill, then the 29th at Livermore. Menlo's a surprise. Bellarmine, I'm not surprised that they're really good. But I was surprised week one belt that Bellarmine came in and Beat Menlo Atherton like that and put up yeah. 56. I know there's a great offense there with Wade Smith, Ben Path, Thomas DiVittorio. But to put up 56 on that Menlo Atherton secondary is very, very impressive. Yeah, no, I, as far as Bellarmine, I, I feel like I keep seeing these WCAL teams play up against Sarah. And it might just not be fair to them that my impression of them is when they go play probably the best team in WCAL. So, you know, it, it's hard for me, like the St. Francis. My one impression of them is getting blown out. And my one impression of Bellarmine is them getting blown out. Um, so it, it's hard for me to that. But then as I see the scores and I see the stats, it's like, yeah, all right, these teams are pretty good. Um, but it's always hard to go into Sarah and, and win any game. So um, it's been it's been a fun year with teams that we maybe kind of thought they could be well but then going out and seeing them actually do what was a sleeper pick uh, it's it's been a lot of fun so it's been it's been a fun year it's been a great year and one more team before we wrap this up i want to give a shout out to is antioch they've really had a great couple of weeks they were one and three to start the year but you look at that schedule they beat skyline but they lost to cal Lost to San Ramon Valley by four points and lost to Marin Catholic. Not you go into let's say an NCAA tournament. That's those are tier one losses, right? Those are tier one games, and you almost beat San Ramon Valley. That's a great performance. They come back. They beat Casa Grande in great fashion, thirty-one to twelve. Held that team to twelve points. That never happens against no, Casa Grande. Costa and they beat a huge win too. Yeah, they were. Casa Grande beat Vintage. Then they beat Freedom 52-22. to Antioch is riding high going into these final four games. For their next two, they play Deer Valley on Saturday in the rivalry game. Then they travel to Heritage next week to go into those final three weeks of the season where they got Heritage, Liberty, and Pittsburgh all on the road. Yeah, and I know early on in the season we said it was pit one, and it still is pit one, but it was always the battle for second. And we said it was Heritage or Liberty. Is Antioch getting there? I mean, we'll we'll find out in two weeks where they stack up with Heritage and Liberty. But is is Antioch the second best team in in that league right now? The way they're playing, they can make a good case for it. Yeah, I I haven't seen them. I'll see them on Saturday, uh, and so I'll finally get to kind of see that team in person and and see kind of where they stack up and. I think it's now a three-team race for that for that second spot. Uh, Liberty has struggled a little bit. Seemed like they they got it back though. Um, Heritage is is young. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see where they get to at, after. I want to see gets to the end of the season. Uh, obviously, playing Pitt. You know, I think they're just outmatched talent-wise there. But we'll kind of see where where they're at. But I think it's a three-team race now. I wouldn't be surprised if Antioch is is keeping these games close against Heritage and Liberty. Antioch has been a good program for a lot of the last yeah. six, seven years. Last year, almost you can consider last year an anomaly for so many teams because of that spring season and everything that did unfold. Antioch is making a statement that defense is playing really, really well these last couple of weeks by holding freedom to 22 points. It's a freedom team that really – Shines the first couple weeks of the season. Then Casa Grande holding them to 12. 
Now it's time to reward our athletes of the week for the voting. Thank you to everybody that voted. Dublin's Brandon Burns. Congratulations to him on being the men's athlete of the week. He had an unbelievable game against Granada where he had 200 plus all-purpose yards. He scored three times in that game, five tackles, a 96-yard kickoff return, which was part of his 237 total yards, three pass breakups, one tackle for loss. He's also got a 4.33 GPA, got an offer from Rolls-Holman, who is the number one engineering school in America for the past 22 years. This year, he's got four picks. Two of those came in a game against Castor Valley, 300-plus receiving yards and three touchdowns. Congratulations to Brandon Burns on getting 1,900 out of the 3,500 possible votes to win Men's Athlete of the Week. And right across 580, the Women's Athlete of the Week, congratulations to her, Grace Olson from Foothill. Unbelievable volleyball player going to UCLA next year. Actually, the sister of Foothill's Kenny Olson, the great football player, Division One prospect, too. She had 31 kills in one match last week. She's been doing that consistently. Congratulations to her on receiving those votes to be the Women's Athlete of the Week. As we wrap this up, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. As the West Coast Preps podcast is officially back for episode number 95, we're closing in on 100. So give us our ideas of how we should celebrate that podcast and what we should do for it. Maybe it's a World Series, like Rick said. I bet the World Series. That's what I'm saying. Go Giants. I think that's... uh... No one else cares about anything else in the Bay Area except for that Giants-Dodgers game. Yes, that's, I think everybody's going to be tuned into that game tonight. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page for all of our interviews, our podcasts that are back up on there. We've got plenty of interviews recorded with student-athletes and coaches up on that. Be sure to follow our social media channels at West Coast Preps underscore. Subscribe to our new website as well. Monthly subscriptions, $3.99 per month. The yearly is $39.99. Per year and there's seemingly six seven stories going up every day it is totally worth subscribing to our website so many feature stories rankings top performers voting all that's going on and also vote for game of the week closes at 8 30 p.m tonight vacuville vanden got about 600 votes overnight remarkable turnaround they've had they're neck and neck now with el cerrito and salesian for the game of the week so be sure to vote for that you know the drill We've given you guys the cheat code vote, refresh, vote again, refresh, vote again if you want to be out yeah. there, if you want to be the game of the week. And I might just do the uh that Friday vote again of where's Greg gonna go. I, mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna listen to you guys. I kinda decide what I wanna do. But it's fun to, to see you what did you did listen to them last week though. You did listen to Folsom I De La Salle got that late push and you did drive to Folsom. Somehow you made it there in time. I was afraid you wouldn't because you know the way Ultima Pass traffic gets coming from the Bay Area to go to there. And then when you're starting to drive through Stockton and Sacramento, it's always a pain as well. Yeah, I love Patterson Pass. I, yeah, I, I don't like anything out there. Um, no, no, not at all. But I think that does it. Go Giants. I don't care about anything else tonight. Uh, if the Giants, okay. And that does it. We will uh, be back at some point. <laughs> If I ever want to do a podcast with Chris again, but that's to be determined. Anyway, (laughs) that's it.